Oh. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second edition ever of the Human Connection Profession. We're starting this one with a sing-along with my dear friend, Nicole Gibson, tech entrepreneur, previous mental health commissioner in Australia. (laughs) That's a a really good track. I like it. I like it. Where did you learn that track, Nicole? Where where did that track become your favorite? I, I feel like most of your listeners will know this song. It's like a, an extremely famous song. But I just love John Mayer's like yeah. uh soul. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. So so everyone listening, um, Nicole talks about the soul, talks about love, <laughs> talks about really uh, a master plan for elevating consciousness on planet earth. Yet she has this very grounded systematic approach to doing that. She used to run a giant events company called Love Out Loud, lots of retreats, lots of meaningful transformational human connection experiences. And now she is running a tech company. It is pretty incredible. Nicole, why don't you begin by by describing what unique style of human connection you like to focus on? Unique style of human yeah, connection. Yeah, yeah. How about facilitating human connection, your unique style? I mean, there's so many ways I could look at that question. Like like my style of conversation, my style of like showing people that I want to be connected with them like all of the above as a facilitator of human connection in group environments oh okay you know there's something very magical about facilitating a group because you get to see the one mind play out that if there's something present for one person is actually unlocking something for everyone else in the group and i think like through my own personal practices say mindfulness and meditation um and just connection to love i realized that there is a oneness that binds the, the the entirety of this experience and facilitation of a group really like holds a mirror up to that in quite a profound way and probably why i love the work so much that it's never coincidental the the group of people that end up together. It's never coincidental, you know, when when you get triggered by something that someone else in the group has said, and that unlocks something for someone else. And and so my favorite thing to do in facilitation is not to um, you know violate the space with my opinion, but rather actually step back and allow the space to facilitate itself. And I think that's um that's been the nuance in facilitation that I've sought to master over the past decade is really understanding that the the true master facilitator is probably a saying the least in the space and, and B um, probably the most unassuming character in the room. I I dig this so much, Nicole. Uh, Truly we want to create as much space for our participants to express themselves. 
And if there isn't that two-way communication among participants, and it's just like the facilitator, one-way emotional communication, there's no opportunity for transformation. And we need, we, we, we have this desire to share our impact with one another. And so I dig that, the behind the scenes approach to facilitation, right? Yeah, that's, I, that's right. It's like, how do you get out of your own way? How do you get out of the participants' way? And I think, you know, I, I discovered this because my early facilitation was specifically in the field of mental health. And what I started to notice was people are so starved of space. You know, it's like that as soon as someone has space, it, it's like oxygen and, and they naturally open up and they naturally start to share and they naturally start to feel safe. And what I started to see were, you know, uh, true miracles, like miraculous healings, epiphanies that people had um, had in the space that after decades of psychotherapy hadn't um, shifted in those ways. And so I, I became so curious about what's different about what I'm doing or not doing. And the more I started to sort of inquire into that, I, um, what I came to was when I started doing that work, I didn't have an opinion. I only had curiosity. I didn't, I didn't have uh, like the, the, the seven steps to become the perfect facilitator or create transformation. It was literally just listening and listening and listening and listening. And through the listening, I realized that healing and transformation and connection actually are innate and natural and and will happen always when you actually get out of the way so that really inspired me to sort of approach facilitation in quite a different yeah in a different way to what i had seen a lot of other facilitators and speakers do can you share with us i'd love to hear your journey into this role as a human connection professional and and a love uh, a, a social social norms of love professional as well but on this note what can you do what what would what advice would you give to people to create that fertile soil for these human connections and for this witnessing to really happen like how do you create that container nicole mm. What I've learned is that the main thing that separates people from experiencing connection is their own incapacity to listen. And that, from my experience, generally comes from an insecurity. An insecurity meaning a part of you that, that does not feel secure just being. So there's, it's driving you to need something from the space. And if you need something from the space, if you need something from your connections, then you're not actually being present with what is. You're seeking to fulfill an agenda, and that's probably unconscious. Um, but Transactionality uh, comes transactionality, up in my mind. Exactly. Like So that's actually one thing I speak about a lot is how do we shift from a transactional way of being to a transformational way of being and a transformational way of being is spontaneous it's um it's true it's genuine it's you know authentic it's present to what is in the moment and this is where like this is where love can really breathe because love 
has no needs you know like I love the Rumi quote love is only ever seeking more of itself so it's um yeah it's a, it's a very different way of showing up in the world and when you start to learn that which I think takes an understanding of your own ego um the parts of your you know identity that you're attached to that are preventing you from really being present and this can show up in so many ways like you know d- disassociation um, for me, like one thing that I had to work through in my journey was this um, constant sense when I was in conversation, especially with people that I was closer to or had an intimate relationship with, which was like, I know what you're going to say, just cut to the chase. And it was actually like, that was me not feeling comfortable with what I was feeling, but I would project that onto the other person of like, all right, can we just, can this be over now? And so that these little like, you know, ways that we um, are, probably we don't spend enough time really questioning why that is the way that it is. Um, and we we think that it's um, because of something external to us and we're not actually going within. This is beautiful. And, and the, there's a few things I want to build off of. The, the first part is just the importance of doing work as facilitators and and how that spreads through the room you know if (laughs) if we can be comfortable (laughs) you know right it's this this aura this vibe that people detect our bodies are these incredibly intelligent um you know antennas antennas for nervous systems and you know speaking of nervous systems, right? This is so related to your next project, but can you, can you tell us what's coming to mind is when people, when we as facilitators can induce a state of being of love into our participants, that's when we don't have to do anything. And organically the human connections form, the transformation happens and we access flow, you know? So tell us, tell us a little bit about how you do that. How, how might you induce that state of being or remind people that it exists? And, and maybe you can refer to the tech that you're building, but first, perhaps you can speak to how you would facilitate that and maybe define it. Let's just define it first. Yeah, we can break it down. I think this is a really potent question and an important question in this conversation. Um, and, you know, I think that the short answer, which we can then elaborate on, is is safety and it's comfortability. And that has to begin with you because if there's something that you're not comfortable with in yourself, inevitably at some point someone in your group is going to talk about something that fringes on that thing that you're not comfortable with so what a lot of people aren't really conscious of until they start to do the work is what we are yet to feel comfortable with in ourselves what we're yet to be within ourselves what we're currently rejecting in ourselves we will inevitably cut off that space when it's um, showing up for another person and it doesn't matter if you're saying the right things it doesn't matter if you're you know pretending like you're okay and you're holding your breath and you're being strong and you're being composed and whatever it is, it's felt. We're an animal, you know, we, we have an instinct. So 
it's immediate, you know, it's a, it's a component of our system that's so intelligent because our survival depended on it. We needed to know whether or not someone was being truthful and transparent or they weren't because once upon a time as a human being, if we didn't have that intelligence to discern that, um, then we, you know, we, we would have put our trust in the wrong places. And this is something that I wish every human knew and is a huge motivation for me wanting to develop the tech product is the human system is an instrument that reads truth like that. Your body responds to truth, period. So you can't fake this, you know, like it's, you, you cannot um, create transformation by following the perfect sequence of system and words if it's not truly embodied and facilitation becomes very natural when you do the inner work you know as, as you do the inner work people will just start to transform in your space and maybe you know if you follow um vive you're probably already this sort of person where people just come up to you and they just start telling you their whole life story and you probably ask questions like why am i the person that people just start telling me everything because you are, you've gotten to a place in yourself where that stranger or that friend or that family member probably doesn't even know why they feel comfortable, but you're comfortable. You're not reactive. You're not judging them in that. So there's, a, there's an innate safety there that they feel. And because we have a world that doesn't really have much space, we naturally gravitate towards it and we want more of it. Yeah, that's that's so beautiful. And what you're saying is when we do work on ourselves and we we neutralize our triggers and we 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 become less reactive and more proactive, people will feel safe around us just by our mere presence, right? Yep. Um and and I love this Nicole because I define psychological safety in two ways, right? There's internal psychological safety or intrapersonal psychological safety, where we just feel, we feel safe to take social risks. We feel the safety uh, even when we get rejected, even when we experience fear and discomfort, we're still safe and grounded in that discomfort. And we move through it and we celebrate ourselves when we do embrace discomfort and we, it may result in a mistake, but we, we see that that's okay. That's a part of growth. Now, what we're talking about is also interpersonal psychological safety and the impact, the relationship between these two, right? Intrapersonal safety leads to this natural emergence of interpersonal psychological safety, right? Yeah. And that's the gift, by the way, that you can give other people when you start holding that space for them. Yes, yes. So briefly, tell us how you're spreading human connection and, and addressing the mental health crisis right now in your work. And w what are you excited about in terms of that? Yeah. I'm excited for people to realize that it really is about the conversation you're having with yourself that will define <laughs> everything. And, you know, 99% of the time, I would say it's not that 
people um, don't know how to have a different conversation with themselves. They just don't realize it's possible to have a different conversation with yourself. And as that starts to um, illuminate for people, which is, you know, my whole work, whether that's been um, in mental health or in events through Love Out Loud or now building this technology, which will give you um, real-time feedback around when you're going into states of stress. So it's actually supporting you to realize, oh, wow, it's the stress that I'm experiencing in this moment, which is changing my inner dialogue, which is change. It's actually changing which part of my brain I'm operating from, which is changing the way I make decisions and the way that I'm paving. And that ultimately is what is then defining the pathways and the opportunities that are available to you in life. Let, let, let's just realize what Nicole is saying right now. Imagine that an alarm goes off. It's connected to your phone. And you, 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 an alarm goes off and tells you, by the way, you're getting worked up. And then you have the opportunity to take a step back and actually remove yourself from the situation a little so that you can regain that parasympathetic state, that state of love, so that you can make better decisions, so that you can not destroy a relationship so that you can drive more safely like this the 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 applicability of just that is incredible so (laughs) yeah thank you thank you it's um it's everything right and and people don't uh see often that the momentum of stress and what's actually happening you know to explain it what's happening to you neurologically as you um, are in stress and you're not taking that moment to regulate, you know, it's, it's, it's such a cliche to stop and breathe, but, you know, to, to actually understand what is happening, right? So the longer you don't regulate your prefrontal cortex, the, the middle part of your brain, so the part of your, your brain, um, the front part of your brain, which is where you can think creatively and altruistically and experience compassion and, you um, expansive thinking will shut down and then if you're still not regulating your stress you're now operating from the middle part of your brain which is resourcefulness that's going to shut down and the only like you're basically suffocating your capacity to the point under stress and pressure that you can only think reactively so you can make very reactive quick judgmental decisions Now, that sounds terrible, but the reason we're wired like this is because if we were under that much stress back in tribal times, that was usually because a lion was running after us and we had to make very judgmental decisions. We weren't going to stand in front of that lion and think, maybe the lion wants to be friends with me. No, like you needed to run the fuck away from the lion as fast as you could or try and kill the lion or whatever to save your own life and to save the life of your tribe. What, what we don't see is the, the modern day application of this is the overstimulation and the constant pressure of society and the rat race of being in a system which is constantly pushing on you. You need to do more, be more just to fucking exist. And, and the, the, the impact of that narrative on a human is very unnatural, A, and completely unsustainable. And it's, it's impairing significantly your ability to make conscious decisions. And so my theory is if, if you start to become aware, because awareness is everything, of when this is truly happening, what will, start to, what will start to become available to you is a different set 
of choices. And with a different set of choices, you can and will fundamentally change the whole of your reality. And I don't, I don't necessarily think we need, you know, to take pharmaceuticals and to spend decades in um, psychotherapy sessions. I think we need to learn to regulate and see pathways where different opportunities and realities become available to us. Ah, oh, Nicole, I love it. I love it. This is all in your book, right? <laughs> yeah, the book. The book speaks about many of these concepts. Yeah. That, that those were the days before I was um, <laughs> working in tech. Yeah. If you had told me back then that I'd be working in tech, I would have been like, <laughs> "Yeah." So, I I really love the the theory of of this company because every time that we disrupt a pattern and choose we disrupt the pattern and we choose a different path and we respond that is the activation of a new neural pathway we are developing a new program and so this is why it all begins with with presence it all begins with awareness because the awareness provides the opportunity for you to respond and what you're doing is uh providing uh a system to make people aware of when they're in a state of stress or a state of disembodiment and that is incredible now Nicole, I, I want to close this conversation. We have many more conversations to come. We're going to be theorizing about love and how to, you know, address the worldwide, uh, you know, problems and wicked problems in our world. But what I'd love for you to leave us with is first, how um, do you help others so that people can refer people to you or people can reach out to you? Uh is your question how can people learn more about what I'm doing? <laughs> Who should reach out to you and love out loud? I guess that's uh, kind of my question. Or how? That, yeah. Anyone that feels no, not feels knows because you know who you are. That you spend a significant amount of your time in hesitation, or you are repeating a series of choices that are making you more miserable and keeping you stuck and yet you just seem to be making the same choices again and again um definitely hit us up there's a lot of work that we have to do together to um yeah improve the quality of your life and help you become the person that you were meant to be which is the person that um is beyond that pattern of hesitation that is all of us our potential is beyond that um that pattern of hesitation which we're in because of cult programming that's a whole nother conversation (laughs) (laughs) so let let's wrap up nicole and i'd love for you to just share with us one powerful idea or principle that you really try to repeat or reiterate in your life and with that we'll roll out of here Uh, every single human yourself included just wants to love and be loved (laughs) awesome Nicole well thank you for joining me 
And everyone, please go out and spread love and love loud and be the first one to love.